happy Super Bowl, everybody. The Kansas City Chiefs are world champions. But in other news, we have all kinds of Bears things to talk about on Nick and I's first, let's call it just a short little off-season podcast. You look at that timer. This is like a third of the length of all the other shows that we've done lately <laughs> on this episode of Bear With Us. What's going on, everybody, and welcome back to Bear With Us, a Chicago Bears podcast hosted by me, yours truly, Robert Schmitz, editor-in-chief of Bears blog, right alongside my co-host, Nick Whalen of Football Guys, as we try to g- deliver you as close to the most middle-minded, analytics-focused, film-driven podcast possible That's that ends up being, I don't want to call us hot takey, Nick, but... Am I crazy? Oh, no, 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 no. You, you go ahead and start this because I think I've been added a little too much on Twitter lately. I said yeah. we have to start here. We really might as well. Where yeah. sometimes I feel like the person where I'm like, I, I don't think I moved. I think everybody else moved. But I, I'm sure there's a little of both. <laughs> I, I'm like, you know, I mean, I'm a coach first and foremost, Robert. And when I watch film and or people want my real honest stuff, I'm crabby most of the time. Because Film I'm like, makes you uh, crabby. You this, watched all uh, the bad yeah. plays. No. Well, okay, let's let's take the Super Bowl for example, okay? Yes. People will be like, "Wow, Mahomes is great," or this or that. And I'll be honest, I saw a great aggressive Steve Spagnola defense that that calculated nice blitzes on important downs and the San Francisco 49ers front either slid the wrong way or let Chris Jones just walk by and Brock Purdy was under duress and he didn't make the plays. Plus uh, the one punt that went off the guy's foot and then McLeod had to try to recover and didn't, which I don't know. You could blame him on that, but I mean, that's kind of tough. <laughs> that just, and that then a missed terrible. extra point. And you had, had those. And then the, I think it was the, the to Sean Gibson when he miss gave up, misjudged the ball, the deep ball, the Hardman, mm-hmm. those plays right there. That's the game to me. Like oh, yeah. both ways, Purdy made some plays. Mahomes made some plays. But in between, those were the plays that made the game. For there me. is nearly nobody that I'm going to cape for harder than Patrick Mahomes, no matter what the situation is. You know that. At the start of our playoffs podcast, I told you that I thought the Chiefs could win the Super Bowl. You thought I was nuts. And I said that I would be dead before I bet on Patrick Mahomes. Well, I, I picked San Francisco. You picked KC. So you were right and I was wrong, Robert. But within this, Nick. Uh, if Caleb Williams threw for those same 333 yards on 46 attempts with an interception that was gross, where I'm pretty sure that he stepped up and completely unnecessarily airmails Travis Kelsey, puts the ball right into double coverage. That wasn't targeting the double coverage. That was to Kelsey. He missed really high. Bears fans would have told you, like, again, that's Caleb Williams' first game as a Bear. Bears fans would have told you he played terribly. He got bailed out by a good defense. These yards are a giant lie. And I actually tend to think they'd be right. Again, I like Patrick Mahomes. There's absolutely something to be said for the last 18 minutes of regulation and for overtime. Mahomes more than did his job. When Mahomes did get his legs involved, <laughs> I get the irony in saying that. Yeah. Uh, then, yeah. like, yeah. all of a sudden, you could see the San Francisco defense start to creak and crack under the weight mm. of having to defend all those files. But, man, if I was going to hand out a Super Bowl MVP, first of all, I thought Harrison Butker needs to get some serious shine. Way yes. to deliver. Like, yeah. both kickers were pretty good. but well, and, and, and punters. The punters were pinning guys deep. I was like, man, that's some great it, punting. This was an awesome, like, football guy Super Bowl. But, man, mm-hmm. a- am I allowed to just talk about how how good those KCDBs were? Because well, this was— What about was, Chris Jones? 
uh, well, Chris Jones was awesome, and that almost goes without saying. But yeah, the guys yeah. that don't get featured on the broadcast, Trent McDuffie and Legarius Sneed, nearly pitched a shutout, or as close to a shutout as you're going to get against Brandon mm-hmm. Ayuk, George Kittle, and Debo Samuel, hurt or not, to the point where Juwan Jennings had to be the hero. By golly, he almost was. But yep. it was... It was one of those moments where if you're a Bears fan saying, God, how do we get close to the Super Bowl? I've got your answer right here. It's Tyreek Stevens, uh, Stevenson, Kyler Gordon, and Jalen Johnson matching that kind of back seven performance mm. while also adding maybe some pieces to the front four. <laughs> Who's to say that yeah. the Bears couldn't literally add a chunk of that front four? I know a guy. I get there. Well, right? did, did you see the EPA per play in this game? What was it? So, okay, so this is just talking the Chiefs. So, there, and I'll start with best to worst. Their special teams was plus 5.64 EPA per play, which That's is wild. That's massive. I mean, blocked extra point, right? Some good clutch field goals. Obviously, recovering the uh, the muffed, or well, the I, I wouldn't call it a muffed punt because the punter, the returner didn't muff it. It went off of a, one of his return guys that was blocking for him. Um, and then defense was plus 2.54, which is very significant. The offense, Kansas City's offense, y'all, negative 5.18 EPA per play. Almost the exact same number as the special teams, huh? Yeah. So Almost like, like that muff punt was a huge deal. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, everyone's like, oh, Mahomes. I'm like, I like Mahomes. I mean, he honestly, and again, this is, I'm not... I, I don't, I'm not the comp type of person. Okay. I, I don't love that because people like think of careers, but Mahomes makes plays out of messes. He's, he's a problem solver, right? Like you have a problem and he solves stuff that you shouldn't solve, which is, I would describe Caleb Williams the same way, but that's what Mahomes did in the Super Bowl. It's like, oh, this is messy on fourth and whatever. And he could either run or dump it to Kelsey and he runs for a first down or he runs and gets this or he gets rid of a ball and doesn't take a sack. Like he just makes positive plays out of messes. And he did that enough and San Francisco didn't. And that's the difference. Right. I mean, that's the funny part about, I think at least watching Mahomes' game is you're going to get some play within structure. He'll hit the four or five yard curl now mm-hmm. and again, but he does kind of share that with Caleb Williams that you're getting like, lowercase word structure but he will flip into creativity mode pretty much whenever he wants to which it feeds the idea that if you're going to have success with somebody like Caleb Williams in Chicago well you need a Travis Kelsey doesn't and I don't mean that literally in this case I mean a wide receiver one which is why it's so good that DJ Moore is already in house but beyond that man I mean I thought it was so funny because there are so many people I've seen it, but whether it was Greg Jennings a couple weeks ago or whether it is people on the internet now, they were coming after Brock Purdy. Can I just say, I thought Brock played pretty well. I mean, especially given that you're talking about a second year quarterback in the Super Bowl and nearly none of his wide receivers can get open. I would be surprised if you and I had we gotten the chance to sit down and watch this from the L22 angle wouldn't come up with the conclusion that Brock just didn't have a lot of options. He's just not a magician. You know what I mean? Right. Well, and, and the, um, it would be like Kenny Pickett y'all being in the Super Bowl. And you're like, Oh, well he's young. He needs time. Purdy doesn't get that excuse from like anybody, which is ridiculous. But I, to me, it's like the third down late in the game. They got batted down a free rusher, like Kinsey oh, yeah. dialed it up perfectly. 
Chris Jones unblocked, so he threw it. I mean, he got rid of him. He didn't throw the stupid picks. Like, to me, I thought, I mean, you could argue maybe Brock should have ran one of those maybe, but you're trying to make perfect things for a guy that, again, he's not as talented mm-hmm. as Mahomes. He's not as talented as Josh Allen. I don't think he's not talented, though. I think I think he had an above-average game. And if you wanted to critique Brock Purdy for basically not having the force of will to create points out of some of those scenarios, fine. I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to take it away from somebody, right? There's this element of can you feel it with a guy? And the only yeah. not Hall of Fame quarterback that I've ever seen do it is Nick Foles for some reason. I guess Case Keenum too. Like, uh, oh, where, look, man, whether it was throw it to the L, whether it was that Seattle game he won in 2020, whether it was the obvious Super Bowl run that we got from the, Foles. The Atlanta game for the Bears? Remember that yeah, comeback? Throw it to the L. Like, it was insane. Oh, oh yeah, throw it to the L, yeah. Like, he can, was he it, can was just, it Anthony Miller? That was Anthony Miller. Like, he just had the ability to force of will it. And maybe you could critique Purdy for that, but I can't help but think that the microcosm of the entire 49ers offensive experience in this game came right there at the end, where for some reason that I don't know San Francisco's protection alignments or how they work anything, on third and four, probably the biggest down of the game, Chris Jones ends up as the guy unblocked. No surprise. He just the The right tackle blocked nobody. Right, exactly. So is this Purdy's fault? Like, I completely agree, Nick, and you've heard me say it a lot, that I don't want to shy away from how important the quarterback position is. But even if I was going to identify the highest percentage impact that the quarterback has, it still caps out around 35-40. There's a Mm -hmm. 60% story that's the rest of the guys around you at absolute minimum. And I personally thought that, I mean, if you were going to point the finger, you could point it at Kyle Shanahan. I do personally think that there was something positive to Mahomes having four downs the entire way down the field. I I disagree with that one. I'm curious. Well, so mathematically, you're right. Can I make that Mm -hmm. so plain? Mathematically, you're bang on. If you get mm-hmm. zero points or if you get seven points, going first was better. It's yep. when you get three that you're massively yes. behind the eight ball. Yep. Because mm-hmm. the the other offense obviously gets four downs. Like Casey would have punted had they gone first. They wouldn't have gone for it on fourth and one. Probably. Yep. More than likely they would have punted. Their defense was balling. Instead, they get those key first downs to jumpstart the offense. And by the time they're actually in field goal range, they found the seams that they want to, or they found the creases that they want to exploit. But man, if I was Kyle Shanahan, this one would haunt me. Like well, I, it really would. And, and the other reason I think he had to take the ball first is because his defense was so gassed. That too. Like, like that was part of it. And the other thing too is I, I feel, and again, I, as someone that's been injured a lot in my life through athletic things, like I hate this so much. I feel so much for Dre Greenlaw pops his oh Achilles, my gosh. just tr- being excited to run onto the field in the Super Bowl, and then your replacement. I mean, we we can just look north. Right? Former Green Bay Packer, third round pick, or is it Orens Burke? I think is his name. He allowed nine receptions on nine targets and 132 quarterback rating and a touchdown for once his way. Like, is that the game? Like, you could look at so many of these things that happen. And you're like, man, if Dre Greenlaw's in there, I'm not sure that 
Mahomes can just run free or this guy's open. So I'm not either. And that's massive. I mean, no. go all the way back to 2018. Nick, you'll notice that anytime we talk about this, I'm going to try to find a Bears example that I think is comparable. Because no. to be honest with you, Bears fan, I don't expect you to have watched any of these other games. Like, <laughs> I, I could bring up some Bills example or other, but it, they would have to just listen and hear me tell the story. Or I could point out just how big of a loss it was going from Roquan Smith to Josh Woods, and suddenly the Green Bay Packers literally had no issues just throwing the ball wherever they wanted to or Mm -hmm. if you wanted to use a slightly different position the difference between what the eagles would have had to deal with with eddie jackson on the field in 2018 versus adrian amos and a let me see it was sherrick mcmanus wasn't it and i mean he did his best like he sure tried but it just wasn't the same and, and, that, and then, and then who, the who, is, who is that who played in the slot on the, the rollout for the touchdown to lose? He It's so funny, too, because nobody remembers that Sherrick totally deflected the pass before that on third and yeah. four. But, yeah, on fourth and goal, they threw it at him again, oh, and no. they converted that time. Oh, no. football, All right. football, man, it's a brutal game. Let, let, let's shift, okay, Super Bowl. I mean, I mean, honestly, I mean, it was a great, a great game. Can, um, let me ask you this I, about the Super Bowl. A yeah. lot of people kept making the joke that it was the build around Justin team versus the draft Caleb team. Do you think that's a fair representation? I I don't because I think that there was so much talent on defense in this game and there's so much to be had for the play callers in this game. Like, I mean, y'all Spagnola might be the best defensive coordinator in NFL history. He's up there. At the very least, he's absolutely the best defensive coordinator he, in the league. He's won four Super Bowls as a DC, and he beat Tom Brady in their undefeated team, and then he's won them with KC as well. I forgot and you, he was on those and, New York teams. You're totally you could, right. Yeah, and you could look. I mean, remember beating Green Bay with they had some some juggernauts, and he beat them. Like y'all, like you need to think about how they beat Miami, and again, it was a cold game, but they had a squad this year, right? They beat the Ravens, who were favored on the road and then they won in the super bowl against the 49ers like that's a that's a a lineup and did they give up i mean what 20 was it 22 points to san francisco was the most they've gave up all playoffs like oh, they yeah. they've shut offenses down and it's that's impressive that that spagnola defense really had to work to stop the run game and massive kudos to them for so, doing it so so no i don't see it as it was Caleb versus build around because there's this massive, awesome defense in front of me. And that's the other thing, right? Like, obviously the bears would hope to build a defense that rivals what Spagnola has in Kansas city. But I always felt like, I know I'm going to sound like a huge nerd saying this, Nick, that's way too reductionist. It's just not that simple. I mean, not only is Brock Purdy and Justin Fields very different quarterbacks. I mean, if one is, uh, I don't know, Lime Sherbert, the other is like a double, uh, like a brownie. You know what I mean? Like just completely different things. I mean, what a slice of pizza. I'm trying to think of something that's still food, but a completely different thing from like. I I was thinking of like, you you could go, you go like candy bars and, and one is like that. You know, everything is like like a chocolate, a caramel, or a crunch, right. or something in it, and you go with like Starburst or like Skittles yes, or like yes, the fruit you know, they're, flavored they're, candy they're, versus or sweet and sour or sweetened, you know, salty. Right. One's like, a warhead, the other is yeah. not even a Jolly you, Rancher. You can like, win with both, y'all. Like it's it, it it's a little ridiculous. But before we dive into that, because that's a, that's that's a whole pod we could do. I got to jump into. We got some news. Oh, we did on the Bears have some interest in someone that Robert has been 
really knocking on this door for a while, Danielle Hunter, you know, in Minnesota. And I've been knocking on the door with AJ Epinesa. So I thought we could have a look, a little debate of what we think would be a better move. So let's do it. Robert, why don't you go to Neil Hunter? Because I think he's your guy. Oh, boy. Uh, it's so funny getting stuck with a guy that I'm like, no, Epines is probably the better move. But let's do this anyways, okay? So Daniil Hunter is probably the best pound-for-pound pound available edge in football right now. And if you didn't count that, it would purely be because you wanted to pursue Hassan Reddick in a trade, but he's going to cost even more. Like, not only is he going to get a, probably a bigger extension than Neil Hunter because you have to trade for him, but you have to give up draft capital. Ooh, that's way too pricey. The best that you get with Hunter is somebody that's going to ferociously defend the edge. He's got all of the pass rush moves that Everson Griffith taught him a couple of years ago, and that is to say, that's an awesome teacher. I mean, Everson Griffith was one of the best edge rushing technicians to watch in the NFL and you get all of that savvy as Hunter has aged plus he defends the hell out of the run so in adding him the Bears would basically complete their defense I mean they'd be a safety away but the hope would be that you could sign somebody lower bar or lower tier or you draft a safety or maybe you do both but the aim would be to add not only a complementary edge to Montez Sweat but a feature edge that can be featured across from Sweat so that now you've got Gervon Dexter ready to take on a big role in the interior and all for the low low price of what do you think is fair 23 million dollars aav like yeah, so so my my boy brad spielberger has it projected at 21 plus so i think okay. it's 21 and change i i like that just because not only like i'll take the lower number for any bears fan that listens to me or reads my tweets i am always going to over project how expensive it is yep. for the for the bears in particular because i would rather err on the side of being conservative rather than tell you because i don't know if you know this nick years ago i projected that it would take two twos to trade for Derek carr in uh 20 like leading into the 2020 season and finding out that it was that much more expensive has haunted me since then and I will never get caught dead telling people you yeah. can get Derek Carr for two twos as full, as long as I can possibly get these well, things closer it's, to it's right. Better, it's better to go higher than lower for mm -hmm. sure. You know, you know what's interesting. You brought up a point before I get into Epinesa is so Hunter is available free agent. You can just sign him. And you know, I, I know people talk about like oh Josh Allen. I mean, he's not going to be available. He's tagged. But, but I think. But I think Zadarius Smith will be available. Sure. You mentioned Hassan Reddick. I think the Chargers are okay getting rid of Khalil Mack. Like, I think there's going to be this group of defensive ends. And I wonder if that pushes the price down, both draft pick and salary. What do you think? I actually think it might. I mean, this is, weirdly enough, the right time to need a mercenary at edge and it's a great time for the bears to need a mercenary at edge because mm -hmm. if you and i gluttons for offensive talent that we are nick want to see a receiver drafted or some kind of pass catching weapon drafted at number nine or whatever pick ends up you know the second one in the first round if they trade it down yep. well you kind of need to solve this edge rusher problem like you have a mm -hmm. defensive head coach what do you think he's gonna you think he's cool with just rolling into the like the 2024 season with Demarcus Walker and nobody behind him at edge two, yeah, that's the he, he better not. So yeah, I think that's interesting. But then, I mean, the, the Bryce Huffs they get talked about a lot. And again, y'all, Bryce Huff, I think he's six one and five eighths inches that's with thirty one some inch arms. He's a little smaller. He's I like him. I watched the film. He has a good bull rush. I think he uses his hands well. 
I just don't know that he fits what we want. Huff what do you is think? an awesome player. The problem is there's no such thing as a bargain in free agency. I do think that the Jets would have used Huff more. Outs- like I think that Huff would have been closer to a, a true three-down defensive end, uh, Nick, if he could do it. The reason he keeps getting used as a situational pass rusher is probably because he's best as a situational pass rusher, and the yeah. Jets want to win games. So yep. would overplaying Huff get you some value? A little. But especially for a team that really wants to defend the run well with your front four, I think that Huff doesn't achieve that. And as much Mm -hmm. as you, Bears fan, would say, well, I don't really care about defending the run. I want to get after the passer. That is not how coaches think. And if you're not thinking like a coach, none of these moves make any sense. You know what I mean, Nick? Well, well, it's also just like the conversation we had, I think, last week or the week before about getting Brock Brock Bowers because when you bring in the situational D end, the offense is like, Hey, we can run that way. And it's going to be an advantage for us. Like you want to take away advantage or mismatches as much as you can. And so, so speaking of, so Bryce Huff had 481 total snaps at the end in comparison, do you know, Hunter had 1,004. Exactly. So that that's the difference between a full-time player and a part-time player. But speaking of another part-time player, the guy I want Chicago to sign, is AJ Epinesa, who had only 438 total snaps. <laughs> and so I get it, projecting a bit. He's 25. He was 31st best D end, according to PFF. Daniel Hunter was 28th, and Bryce Huff was 24th. And I think Bryce Huff was projected at like $15 million, if I remember right, according to PFF. And Epinesa is 6.75. So you want to talk about if there is a bargain out there, I think Epinesa is the guy. Um, for Daniel Hunter, 2017 was his worst PFF grade, or this season was his worst grade since 2017. So declining a bit, he's getting 29. This stuff happens. But Vanessa, this was his best season, according to PFF. So this is, I think, a calculated gamble. You can get a guy that's a little cheaper, that worked with literally our defensive coordinator now, was on his D-line last year, at a cheaper price, you're going to get maybe a little bit drop off, but then you can rotate both Walker and Epinesa. And I think it makes sense. You put together a 6.75 with, I think Walker's making what, 7 million. Yeah, that's okay. You rotate between those three. You still can div- draft some guy as, you know, uh, in round three or beyond. And that's fine for Dan. Then you can spend the rest of your money fixing the offense and the offensive line, which I think is what we want. A lot of this is truly going to come down to what the Bears want to do with their contract structures, because it's pretty commonplace in an NFL that's been pretty cap crunch for the last couple of years, mm-hmm. ever since, what was it, COVID, when the cap did not go up at all. And it went down. Yeah. Exactly. So with at that point, people have basically been just playing salary cap fun uh, for the last probably three, four years. And in that time, it became pretty commonplace to drop the veteran salary of any free agent you signed to the absolute minimum, load some stuff into a signing bonus, and not backload, but push Mm -hmm. the standard template contract that you had out a year, basically. We're going to get you cheap now. We're going to get you paid now. And then we're going to pay you for the rest of your contract a normal rate. The Bears have not been doing this. And if they wanted to start, now makes a lot of sense, especially if they draft a rookie quarterback, because at that point they would be expecting costs to stay relatively low going forward and they can spend tomorrow's money today. But if they don't want to do that, Nick, Epinesa is kind of, I don't want to say he's your only option, but close to it, where it's Mm -hmm. like, 
at that point, I actually couldn't tell you just because I don't know whether they would prefer Demarcus Walker, who's going to be a little better against the run, versus Epinesa, who's going to be a little better against the pass in, in terms of which one would start. But at least at that point, you'd have a three-man edge rotation that you don't hate. And going into a draft where you need to come away with a complete team, that would be the goal. So a guy like Epinesa, I think, makes way more sense than Hunter, especially if the Bears want to keep these contracts flat. Mm -hmm. Yep. And I was just looking at uh, Khalil Mack's structure. And again, this is the end of the the Bears deal, y'all, when they signed him. He he has, if they traded for him, which I think is what it would be, it's $23.25 million um, still is what he would be owed. And that's with the Chargers taking on $15 million in dead cap. So... That would still be very costly, and I think I would rather avoid that for a, what, 32-year-old, it's going to be a 33-year-old player. Um, Moving on. So we had talked a little bit about this previously, the Schefter stuff about the first overall pick, et cetera, but we got from Ian Rappaport that it it would take a historic offer, which we had talked about it as the godfather offer, right? The godfather offer. So, (laughs) So I thought it could be kind of fun if we actually talked what a godfather offer would look like, Mm -hmm. okay? Because, I mean, we talked about this. There has to be a point. And actually, I was incorrect. Someone corrected me this, and you can tell me if if it's right or wrong. You can actually trade four firsts in the future Mm -hmm. once it's draft day. Is that correct? That's what I understood it as. Now, I have also been corrected by other people that I think were wrong, but that's my life. I mean, if you're not laughing at that joke, then you don't know me and I completely get it. But isn't it so funny where people will go, well, no, actually. And then you go, oh, well, I'll take their word for it. They corrected me and you find out later. Oh, no. Yeah. No, that's not right either. But my understanding, Nick, is that at any point you can only trade three first round picks into the future. On draft day, the next year starts now. So at that point, you have access to that extra pick should you want it, but only on that day. So Ah, lining up that I don't think we've seen it yet. I I really don't think we have yet seen anybody actually do it, but I think you could technically. So so let's just go through some scenarios here and let's see if these are godfathery enough to convince because I think I think me and you we both have Caleb as our top quarterback, right? Uh, yes, and okay. the other the other piece that at least I think is really important to mention here is that a lot of what you personally value in a quarterback is going to obviously affect what you think of these guys, right? Mm-hmm. Like <clears throat> I want to just make this so plain, Nick. There's nothing I love more than watching a quarterback that I think is aware and feels the game. It's rare to find a quarterback that you feel like feels it like there's the only way I can put this is it's kind of like watching a quarterback that you'd swear has that same effect that like daredevil has going on in his old movie from 2003. I've never watched the series. I don't know anything about the Netflix series, but like, you remember that like echo location stuff that maybe you did. I I didn't watch it either. So I don't know. Well, it's, it's this idea of almost, it's obviously Caleb can't see what's happening on the offensive line, but he reacts to all of it in a way that I find really exciting. Like most people are going to look and they're going to see all the crazy throws downfield. And those are sweet. Don't get me wrong. But Caleb has a kit as a pocket passer that is really, really exciting. And Mm. if you value that, you're probably going to see a little gap between Caleb and the other two. If you value the tools, I actually think Drake may has better 
true physical tools. And if you value the dual threat capacity, Jaden Daniels blows both of the other two well out of the water. Caleb gives you a little dip into dual threat, a little dip into superstar physical tools with an outstanding release, which is something that's really hard to work down. But it's so funny because if you told me, Nick, that there's somebody out there that has Jaden Daniels as a quarterback one, I'm not going to argue it's possible. I'm just going to disagree with their philosophy. But that's the fun of football is competing well, well, philosophies. That, well, that this is exactly why in the middle of the season, I said, I'm sure there's going to be NFL teams or at least some NFL teams that have Drake may over Caleb Williams. And then it came down with all this other stuff, but it's, there's going to be some teams that want the six, four, two guy with the rocket yes. arm and Caleb Williams doesn't have the rocket arm and he's only six one. And you know, Drake may, I don't know. Drake may might be faster straight line. I'm not sure he is. He's a very good athlete or some people might like Jane Daniels. Like I'm not every, cause when you're a coach, you're gonna be like, Hey, I want this chess piece to fit this offense. It's not, everyone has right. the same order for everyone. There's going to be teams that have Malik neighbors over Marvin Harrison jr. Just because that's what they prefer in their offense. And so I, that what, is, that does go with it, but we both have speak, Caleb number one. Speaking of just because I like the discussion, and I, I yeah. got, I got six more minutes for, for, forget it. Like we can make this work. Sure. What is your home offense? Like what, unfortunately look bears like it or not, this is where I landed. My home offense is the McCarthy spread. And the read spread really tickles that same itch. But the offense I watched Rodgers operate in is where I keep finding my heart. Like, mm. it, it's almost like I, I completely respect the way that Shanahan built his offense in 2018. I love a lot of the same things that McVay then tailored off of it. But when ultimately I would want to coach a team, man, I want to get five out. <laughs> like, I want to pull the running back back in. I want to have a quarterback that's willing to sit in the pocket and create those same home run shots that I watched 12 hit against me for my entire life. And it's yep. a big part of why... You talk to the wrong person if you want to hear somebody that likes Drake more than Caleb because Caleb happens to imitate probably my favorite football quarterback that I ever grew up watching. And again, I hate admitting that that's on a rival team. What is your home? Home is where your heart is offense. So so that's actually a great point. I think that Caleb Williams under center would take away from his skill set and his strength the most. I think him operating out of a gun makes him the best, which I think fits that offense. Um, mine would be my my home offense. And again, this isn't what I would run if I had my own high school program. But in terms of if I had an NFL team, mm -hmm. I would be under center. I would be doing play action zone stuff. And I think that Drake May fits that better. Kyle Shanahan. On, yep. Yep. And mm -hmm. he can see he can see over the line better. I think that it 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 fits everything more that quarterback does and that's and, I, and that's with i think caleb's the best overall quarterback but i don't think he fits that scheme better than drake may does and i think you're taking away some of the the differentials there that i think it evens it out right and i won't be surprised obviously if for, as a drop back passer like out of the let's go under center as an under center drop back mm -hmm. passer and especially as an under center play action passer i tend to think that a lot of these longer play action shots especially when you use like run action on the front of it that you create the same pocket anyways in many cases but that moment where the quarterback is looking over the offensive line like in position to take the snap i'm right there with you that caleb's going to need real time to develop a feel for that, whereas Drake should be. I mean, this actually just ought to get said, Nick. Uh, I think Drake's going to be the better day one player. 
maybe Caleb could surprise us. I mean, his ability to create could open up shots that Drake just can't open up as easily. And those chunks, as we've seen with Fields, I mean, like, this is another thing well worth talking about. Fields' stats definitely took a step forward this year. It's the down to down consistency stuff that gets so funky because granted we don't have a stable metric for success percentage. Like pro football reference has him at closer to, I think it's like 38.4. Whereas RBSDM has him at like 41.2 or something like that. But with fields, you we got more of the big can opener shots, right? We got a 50-yard bomb, a 30-yard bomb, a 40-yard bomb, and then the rest of the game in yes, terms yes, of the, yes. the way his stats tended to operate. Yep. And yep. so Caleb may imitate that a little bit. But Drake, mm-hmm. if you told me one of these guys was going to hit an eight-yard out right now, Caleb can do it. Drake will, probably. Yes. Drake yes. also I- just might throw a pick six. Yeah, and, and I think I think yeah, and Drake's gonna go with kind of the game plan. And, Drake's and gonna the, go because the, Coach said throw it. So, yep. if, but if I, I think I th- I think I think May is a is a right now is a better deep ball passer, and I think he's a better in terms of quick processor. But I think Caleb sees the game quicker and see and operates in the pocket quicker. So 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 like really, it's that's the thing is I think some people have it like where there's they're miles apart and I don't, I think they're very close. I think they're both very, two very good players. I think depending on the coach, each of them are going to have the other miles apart from each other. You talk mm-hmm. to coach Nate Tice, he's going to see them miles apart in Drake May's favor. You talk to coach yep. Robert yep. Schmitz, he sees a big gap between a and a minus. You're noticing I'm not awarding the guy an a plus like the generational mm-hmm. thing that everybody's talking about. I haven't heard anybody that likes Caleb call him generational in months, man. Like, I'm hearing people say, if anything, like, he's in that Joe Burrow, Trevor Lawrence, like, same group of people. Mm -hmm. But we abandoned the luck thing a while ago because 2023 would have just had to be better for that to be the case. But I think it is so funny where the beauty is truly going to be in the eye of the beholder. And I mean, man, like, I I hope this comes out well. If you love... The same things that generate fantasy points. Jaden Daniels could be a super star from that capacity because his scrambling ability is just unbelievable. I think he's a little slight of frame. I'm really worried about how he handles getting to his second read and playing on time in an NFL level. But I mean, if you just like scrambles, pff, that's you, nearly nobody better. Like, do you, do you know what I worry about with him? Tell me. He takes some big hits, man. Yeah, he's reckless. And. I'm like, oh. He's, he's, I, it's, it's like Josh Allen mindset with not that body. I'm like, he, don't do that. He scrambles out of clean pockets more than anybody no. not named Justin Fields or Drake May. That's believe it or not. It's like a nine plus percent for uh, for Daniels. Eight percent. This is all using college data, by the way. Eight percent mm. for Fields. May is seven point four. Would you like to guess the clean pockets percentage that Caleb Williams scrambles out of? Um, for I think runs. it's low. For I think runs. It's low. I think it's low because I'll, I'll say somewhere like in three because he, he scrambles to pass. It's bang on. It's 3%. Yeah. So if anything, Caleb's running definitely gets him into jams like Matt Bowen mentioned, but he's got that same. I remember Rogers doing this. Don't you? Where it's like Rogers was mobile, especially early in his oh career. He just wouldn't cross the line of scrimmage like under any circumstance. He's like, he's like, he's, he's athletic enough and has enough awareness where it's almost like annoying 
he's far enough away from the defense at all times where they can't get him, but he buys enough time know, to throw and complete stuff. You're like, Ugh. but that would be nice to have a guy like that on your team. Okay, Nick, I cannot believe I have to do this, but we've got your scenarios pulled up and on Wednesday, we're going to talk about them because I Sounds have good. to close the show. We leaked yeah. into quarterback talk. That's fine. I, I hope that this works for everybody, where at times Nick and I are just going to ram our schedules together and figure out where we can get 30 minutes to talk ball for you. But Nick, you got anything coming up that people need to know about? No, so I, I do. Football guys agreed to have my statistical analytical article go where it's teams that don't have first and teams that have multiple firsts and what result happens from that nice so i'm i'm double checking all of my data now i have to put this yes, into a form where yes, people can get it yes. so it'll be fun so that'll be coming in probably about a week and a half excited about it and then i've got a bunch of fun things that are going to get hosted on dbb over the next couple of days we've got jonathan woods offseason primer friend of mine guest spot wrote for an article i'm really excited about coming out about caleb williams and how basically nick if you want the premise he started as hostile to Caleb Williams as you could be from a data perspective. And then as he dug deeper, he and I together, we found the data is way more encouraging than we originally expected. Uh, but anyways, that's all going to happen throughout the rest of the week. Still going to do a film room tomorrow. I don't know what it will be on, on all 20 Tuesday, but until then, Bears fans. We're, we're, we're guesting on the, the BFR pod too yes, tomorrow. Yes, we are. So a lot of things. We've got- yeah, So people check into that one too. That'll be fun. podcasts. Review <laughs> us on Spotify. Like us on YouTube. Review us on Apple Podcasts. And until next time, Bears fan, bear down. Thanks so much for bearing with us. 